Yeah. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with my dad. We were we talk about the post-jazz game and all things sports and what's going on around the league. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry coming to you from Connecticut with Spencer in Utah. And the Jazz close out their first round series against the Memphis Grizzlies with a big win tonight in Utah. Final score, 126-110. Wasn't really that close for almost half or most of the game. They were up by 25 to 30 and at sometimes more than 30 points. So a big win for the Jazz. Just a great team effort to win four in a row against the Memphis Grizzlies and move on to the second round for the first time in three years. Spencer, any thoughts? So we advance. That's a good feeling. Made it out of the first round this year, which is thanks to Mitchell and his determination. And well, everybody on the Jazz, I guess, they kind of were determined not to repeat last year. And yeah, they looked like the Jazz we were used to throughout the season. Maybe more of the Jazz we were used to during that one stretch where they won about 20 plus games. And that was really the jazz I was looking forward to see during the playoffs. It did take a little bit. There's obviously some complications with Mitchell and with Conley and just injuries for them to kind of get back into the swing of things. But that looked like the jazz that we were used to for most of the season. And it felt good watching the three-pointers go in. They shot high percentage from three-point line, high percentage pretty much the whole game. Most of the players were on, so there was no one really having a quiet night. So that was a good feeling as well. And that's really what I like to see. Now we have a little bit more time off to recuperate and hopefully continue that same level of play. Yeah, a couple of franchise records tonight. So 47 points tied a franchise record for most points in a quarter, and that happened in the first quarter. They're up by 20 in the first quarter. That's very difficult to do in an NBA game. They're up 47, right. 27. They then scored another 28 points in the second quarter. It wasn't as explosive, but they ended up scoring 75 points in the half, and that was a franchise, a Utah Jazz franchise record for number of points in the first half. So this was somewhat over early, and uh, the barrage continued throughout the night. They ended up making, um, I believe, 17 three-pointers. They're the first team in NBA history, I believe, to make 17 or more three-pointers in four straight playoff games. So we have been treated this season as Utah Jazz fans to incredible 17, incredible three-point shooting with 17 makes on average. And we somewhat take it for granted, but an NBA record for a team to shoot and make 17 threes in four straight playoffs games. So a masterful game from beyond the arc tonight. Do you have the statistic for steals? for tonight's game because I think we did well we stole we had a couple steals there were I, I think we were above six that half yeah, we, had, we had 10 steals tonight so you're absolutely right we had our hands in the passing lane we were active what I really want to point out on that stat sheet it doesn't look as big as it was most of the game but the Jazz had 51 rebounds to Memphis's 39 and 11 of those were offensive boards. But at one point during the game, the gap was much wider. We did a really good job tonight of just making sure they didn't get second chance points and, um, and that they didn't really go after it uh, on the offensive boards. We took them out of their game. They still play tough all the way down to the end, which we expect. 
from Memphis, but a big night by the Jazz in steals and on the boards, um, like you mentioned. Morant and Brooks both had 27 points. Morant had seven rebounds and 11 assists. So Morant had a pretty good night. I mean, we're this series we're used to him putting up a little bit more numbers. It I don't know about you, but it kind of felt like he was a little bit quiet tonight. There was some quietness to his game. It, I think the word that I was, would use is it wasn't as impactful hmm. as it's been. I think his points were there, his driving to the paint was there, his hustle was there. It just didn't impact the game because by the time he was getting into that rhythm, the Jazz were up 10, then they were up 15, and then they were up 20, and then they were up 30. So those points, those 27 points by both Brooks and Morant, were not as impactful because the game was really never that close or in doubt. Maybe it was also partly due to just the energy that was in Vivint Arena. I think it was the Jazz game from the beginning. The second it started, the fans kind of were that six man that took over the energy. And it's hard to, it, I wouldn't say Morant was quiet. Maybe I take my words back on that. I just think maybe Mitchell, Gobert, O'Neal, they kind of overshadowed his energy, which kind of puts, puts in perspective that, it was the jazz game from the beginning. Not that Morant was quiet, just that Mitchell Gobert and maybe Royce and other players were louder. Yeah, you're, you're right. It, it, uh, the, the, was good to have the fans in the game. It was good to watch us knock down threes. There's something about the three point game. We've talked about this in other episodes, but the jazz, it's all about math. And if you're a player and you've been on the floor and you're fighting your way back or you're trying to keep pace, last I checked, three points is more than two. <laughs> and if you can make more three-pointers than your opponent can make twos and do it at double the rate, the other team's in trouble. And when those threes were falling and it wasn't just Mitchell and it wasn't just Bogey and it wasn't just Niang and even Conley hit some timely threes, and then Clarkson came in, and even though he struggled in this series from three, he scares you if you're the other team because he can get in the paint, and he's got this little floater that right. is almost automatic. So it, it just took out the soul of the Grizzlies early by watching one three-pointer after another go through the net. That's so true. That's a really good point. I have a couple of statistics from the series, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions based off of those and what it looks like going forward to the next series right now, just to give a little update, we're following the Mavs versus the, um, the Clippers that's going on live right now. Series is tied at two games apiece, and the Mavericks are winning right now. Currently. Yeah, um, 90, so. 95, 89. Um, I'm sure Spencer asked some questions, but when we get to this game and we're following with five minutes left, it's in LA, the Mavs are up. The Mavs have been up by I think 12 or 13. The Clippers right. are trying to make a run. What's so impressive is Luka Doncic has 42 points and 13 assists. He is a load. There's Just some great, load. great performances going on right now across the playoffs in general. We're going to highlight some key players and some key moments for them and their teams in just a little bit. Um, let's, um, let me read these stats to you from the game or from the series. So the Jazz averaged 123.4 points. Um, Memphis only averaged 115. And the Jazz averaged 45.6 rebounds a game. This is the average of the series. 23 assists, um, 5.2 steals, 6.2 blocks, 13.6 turnovers. They shot 48.8%, 40% from the three-point line. 
and 84.7% from the free throw line. So let's, let's circle back. Maybe we can go through this kind of quick, but it are, I, I don't know how to phrase this. Are you happy with the 23.4 points a game? Is that a good average? Or if they play the Clippers or the Mavs, are they going to have to put up more numbers? I, I this is what the Jazz have been known for. They're one of the top five offensive teams in the league. These are the numbers that you would expect. These are numbers that win a first round series. They will have to be a bit more sharp going forward. I mean, if they come out of the gate like they did tonight and hit three-point shots, would be great. Their, their assists were the, – the, it could go up. They, I think they should be assisting on 26 or 27 baskets during the course of a game. Mitchell showed uh, his tenacity tonight and how he could see the court. He had admitted in the post-game interview that he didn't shoot the ball well. What can you expect after having not played for 16 games in 45 days? So – he was, he was rusty, but if that is a rusty Mitchell, I'm a little nervous to see what a shiny Mitchell looks Hmm. like. Um, And he will get it going in the next round. They will have to, you know, assist a bit more, but I I don't, I don't see if these stats continue, I don't see a team getting them. There was a, a stat I saw earlier that when a team makes 17 threes, they're almost impossible to beat. And we average wow. 17 threes. There's a reason why we were 15 and 20 in the regular season. And now just ran four straight in the playoffs because we hit 17 threes on average. Yeah. So let's repeat that 17 threes is almost impossible to beat. That's kind of crazy. I guess that makes sense though. That's probably why the Warriors won it so many times, but I, I think Conley, it says right here, Conley averaged the most assists per game. He averaged 8.6. And that just shows the impact that Conley has not only as statistically, but kind of the control he has in the game. In order to get those assists, you have to be in positions to get the assists. So that just shows that Conley is the is almost always the person that's delivering the setup. And the setup player is very important. And Conley actually went out at around halftime during this game and went to the locker room. He didn't return, right? I th- I don't know exactly what the issue was. Yeah, but- it's, it's, it's what's been plaguing him. So it's right hamstring soreness. I think it's a combination of, yes, there was some pain there. We were up big yep. and there was no reason to really drop him back into the game since Mitchell was in the flow. So uh, he went and rested. He was out after the game, shaking hands with um, the Grizzlies congratulating them and looked himself. I think if there was panic, concern, or worry, he wouldn't have been out congratulating the Grizz. So uh, it's Wednesday. I don't see us playing until Sunday. Um, we won't know until that Clippers math series closes, but we know they at least have one more game. So the days off will be very beneficial for Conley. One thing that I heard prior to the game, and I can't really put an exclamation point on it, but that is that John Moran is the first Memphis Grizzly to average a double, double. I think he's had 25 and 10 during this series. And that means Conley didn't do it in the years in the playoffs when the Grizz were going to the playoffs. But in this series, Conley, I think even at his age, outplayed his other playoff performances when he was with the Grizzlies. And that's just a huge story to see how Conley in my mind, might have been the catalyst behind us getting this win in the series. Right. He averaged 30.2 points a game, which is a huge number for someone that young. 8.2 assists, 
Um, a big note is Rudy averaged 13 rebounds. I guess that's kind of a little bit more normal. He also averaged 3.2 blocks this series. And so I think regardless of who the Jazz play, it all comes down to the Jazz playing their game. It's been kind of known throughout Jazz history that sometimes Jazz mimic the level of their, other, of their, of their opponent. But I think if the Jazz are able to score between 120 to, to 127 each game, they'll, that's going to win them the game again with those three points falling. Um, but, yeah, overall, great series. I think it was good for them to lose that first game. It's never good to lose, but I think it was good for them to make a statement and, and come out and win four games in a row. And just with that ferocity from Mitchell, like, hey, we're not letting this happen. We're not going to just do this playoffs where we just get out really early or, or we don't shine when we had an amazing season. And that's what I like to see. Maybe losing the game woke them up a little bit more. Obviously, Mitchell wasn't in during that game. But now the Jazz have a little bit more um, aggressiveness to to – to kind of carry them into the next series. And, and so it's going to be a good matchup, whether they play Luca and the, and the Mavericks or they play um, Leonard and the Clippers. Yeah. Listen, that, that first game, we, it actually was a fairly close game. So even though we lost a game in this series and it happened to be on our home court in the, in the first one, um, we really came back and showed the heart of a great team to, to get by in this first round. You mentioned Rudy Gobert a minute ago. We, we often speak about him, but I don't know if we give him the game ball that much. And he deserves it. Uh, again, 23 points, 15 rebounds tonight, 10 of 13 from the field, three of four from the line, and three blocks. He put a block on Dylan Brooks tonight, which was fun for Jazz fans to see. Yep. And that Brooks has had an amazing series. He actually put a block on John Morant, who has had amazing series. So um, you got to give it to him. And again, the Jazz win 126, 110 right. and move into the second round. As we look back right now, the Mavs are up by 10 with two minutes to go. I think mm. they'll close that out. 101-91. Um, Luka Doncic again with 42 points. Hardaway Jr. with 18. Um, it's really the Luka show. No one else other than those two are in double figures. I don't know what's up with Porzingis. He hasn't played down the stretch, only 8.6 rebounds. Um, but there's something about Luca and the high pick and roll and how he can either one, pick you apart with a pass, two, get around the pick and hit a three, or three, hold off the guard as he's on his rear end and get into the paint for a shot. And if the Jazz face the Mavericks, he is going to be, again, I'll use the word, a load. We really put it to him in Salt Lake on back-to-back -back nights earlier in the season, and then they tattooed us down in Dallas later in the season. So uh, I wouldn't count anything as a victory against the Mavs, albeit they're the five seed. And we all know that the Clippers have two superstars in Kawhi Leonard and in Paul George. So I just want that series to go the full seven. Mm -hmm. So it looks like uh, the Clippers are going to go out to steal a game in another game in Dallas after tonight. Funny how they've only won games in each other's stadiums. I think that's, I wonder if there's ever been done like that before, but Luca is very crafty and I don't really know kind of where, it, I mean, Quinn could probably draw something up because obviously Gobert is going to impact his driving game a little bit and his passing game, but I guess O'Neal will be placed on Luca, and I'm pretty confident in O'Neal's ability to get around the pick and roll, especially the high pick and roll, or 
or not even that, just just kind of lock in on Luca and, and fulfill his role. I think O'Neal had an amazing series. He came through with points and he came through with statistics, even though he usually doesn't need the statistics to prove his game. He had 17 points tonight. It's probably one of a, a career high, four steals. I am a little bit concerned though, and let's make this quick just because we need to move on to, or it'd be great to move on to other areas of the league. But are you nervous for Ingles and his zero points tonight after playing almost 28 minutes? Uh, his shooting is off. He's out of rhythm. Uh, his confidence doesn't look like it's there. He, 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 when I say out of rhythm, he's also not in the flow of the offense. So yeah, there's concern. That said, it's not like he's a second or third year player. He's been in the league a long time. He's been through these playoffs before. He's an important part to our, our team. And if there's any question on Conley, then Ingles has to step up. I don't think that um, Ingles or Clarkson shot the ball well in this series. Thank heavens for O'Neal, who seemed to have shot it well. Uh, Niang made his shots when needed. Bogey made his shots. Conley and Mitchell, okay. But man, I don't know what the number is. I'd have to go back in the series of how many three-pointers Ingles made and how many Clarkson made and what their percentage was. But I'll bet it was in the 20 percentile. Right. And I think it's important to give a shout out to Favors. I thought Favors had a really good series as well. Maybe his numbers won't show it, but they kind of do in some areas. I think he had a great series. Clarkson shot well from off the three-point line. He's very good at getting into the paint and pivoting and creating um, space and scoring. I thought he still did that fairly well tonight. So that was good. If I had to give a player of the series um, or most valuable player in the series, I think I'd probably go, it'd be tough because I'd want to say Mitchell, but I think Morant, even though the Memphis Grizzlies lost to see what he did this series, if I was, if I was a younger kid, I would have fallen in love with it and I would have loved his game. And I think Jerry West is the only finals MVP to be on the losing team. Right. Yeah. If you go all the way to the finals, right. Yeah. That was finals. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I I hear you on John, John Morant. He, he I, kind of an overused statement here. He's had a great season. He was rookie of the year. Um, he blossomed in front of the national stage in his first playoff appearance. And there's many more to come. I, he's humble. He's good. He's got a lot of skills. He hit his three point shot tonight, which actually hadn't been falling for him. Most of the series. Um, he will be a leader for Memphis. I would think for years to come and will make the mm-hmm. all-star games as he goes on. Great. So let's jump, let's jump. Um, I, I want to get into the trailblazers game versus the nuggets the other night with Damian Lillard. Um, <laughs> I hope everybody knows, but he just did one of the greatest performance probably ever, in, not ever, but one of the greatest performance up there in all of playoff games almost ever just because of his performance the other night against the nuggets, he scored 55 points and had 10 assists and then set the record uh, breaking Clay Thompson's record for the most threes in a playoff game in NBA history with 12 three-pointers. He was 12 from, for 17 behind the three-point line. And just the game went to double overtime, and it was because of Lillard's abilities down the stretch and just throughout the whole game. Unbelievable. It, it, when you watch that game and then you go back and watch it, you still scratch your head. Um, right. A lot can be said 
as to why the Nuggets didn't foul. They had two opportunities, one in regulation, mm. one overtime, to put him on the foul line, and they let him do what he did. But it's also a scary thought because if you go to foul him, he's 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 going to shoot. So you almost got to grab him past right. the half court line. But it, it it brought up the question. I'm not ready to say it, but it, it, the debate could be made: Who is the better shooter, Steph Curry or Damian Lillard? Steph Curry still gets my vote, so I'm kind of stepping on thin ice here. But after last night's performance, who would you rather? give the ball to to win the game between those two you have to give it to to dame the way he plays down the stretch and where he can make a shot create his own shot or get a three-point shot from anywhere on the court you you're absolutely right in bringing this up uncanny unbelievable even watching it you go this can't be happening yeah i i was following i was like this is something like I don't even like, I didn't think anything like that would ever happen. And it was crazy. He was still a little upset. He said, it doesn't matter. We lost the game, which is what, why he's one of my favorite players because of his passion that he has and for his determination to bring home a, um, a ring for his, for his city. And that right there is what separates him from other all-stars. I think he's a tier one all-star and that he has that killer, almost Mamba type mentality, which is, I'm going to win this game for us. I do think Curry is the better shooter, but maybe, maybe Dame has a little bit more ferocity as a game winner or a down the stretch player in that he can pull up from the logo. Not saying Steph can't Steph has, and he continues to stretch out the game um, in terms of space, but Lillard, there's something mean about the way he handles the end of the games or just the whole game. And he hurts you throughout the whole game with his ability to shoot his ability to, just make shots that you don't think are possible. Again, I've seen Curry make shots that I had no idea went in, how they went in, but I thought it was a great game. They did not get the win. Like I said, Damian Lillard was a little upset. He said, it doesn't matter. We lost the game. And it is showing how good the Nuggets are and how good um, Jokovic is down the stretch. And so you got to hand it to the series. That was a really good game. It went to double overtime. Yeah, listen, the, the, the Denver Nuggets take a, a three to two lead and, and can close that out in the next game or two. So it's, it's been an exciting series. It'll be exciting to see what this next game brings. Um, Lillard was tremendous. The, the Trailblazers all year long have struggled defensively. And mm. when you study the NBA year over year over year, regardless of the points that are put on the board, it does come down to what your defense look like and can you get stops, especially in the playoffs. It's hard to run out there and outscore somebody in a playoff game. And we witnessed that in this double overtime, you have to play defense at some point. And, and that is what has plagued Portland trying to get over the hump and get out of the Western conference and into the NBA finals is in the end, they just can't stop people. They can't necessarily be stopped but they can't stop others either. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. I think defensively, sometimes if you step up your game defensively, it can exhaust the other team because then they have to worry about you on both ends. And so if you're scoring a lot and then they're defending hard, it's like, Oh, I like I'm exhausted. So it's going to affect my offense. So that's, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, uh, they're still turning out the, the Mavs, uh, 
Clippers game. We have four seconds left, and the Mavs are up by five. So the Clippers. So they go actually, back to to Dallas, right? Their next game's in Dallas. I think it stays in LA. We did two in LA. Okay. Two in Dallas. Now one in LA. We'll have another one. Well, you're right. You're right. It probably goes two. To Dallas, and then it goes back to the the seventh game will be in LA, right? Most likely. Yes. Yes. If it goes seven. So they'll go back to Dallas. LA will have to grab another one. Again, you said it a second ago. These teams have won on each other's floors. So um, that's going to be a fascinating series to watch. So, yeah. But the the, the Jazz are are the first Western Conference team, right, to move on to the next round? Yeah. They're the first and only team as we go through these rounds uh right so, but in the east there's been a couple because the celtics yep. just lost yeah so in the east tonight we had uh well la- last night we had brooklyn who closed out the celtics tonight we had two more closeouts uh, so so the east is all done the uh we know milwaukee swept the heat mm-hmm. brooklyn ousted boston tonight the Hawks handed the Knicks uh, their, the, out of, and put them out of the series, handed them a loss. And then we also had the 76ers who, without Joel Embiid, really ran the Wizards off the floor. So now the matchups are set. You got the one uh, five matchup with the 76ers and the Hawks. But really, some people are calling this the Eastern Conference Finals. I, it's not necessarily that fair, mm-hmm. but you have the Bucks and the Nets going in the next series, which is going to be a great series because I think Giannis is quietly and maybe loudly at the same time trying to make a statement and say, I am not going away uh, again. I've got to go win something. So you're going to see three Hall of Famers going against a great Bucks team with the most dominant player over the last three years in, uh, in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Could go game seven. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. It's going to be interesting. I bet by game two or three, we'll see kind of where it's going. I think when they met in the regular season, the Bucks won maybe both times. I don't know how many of the three all Hall of Famers were playing, but I do remember one of the games. I think they won because Giannis didn't make like didn't miss a shot. Made a lot of threes, and Giannis isn't necessarily a three point shooter. I'm not saying he can't make it, but he's more dominant driving. And so it's going to be interesting to see what, what they come up with and the kind of the energy that Giannis brings. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be, that'll be good. I'm yeah. We'll see if, play. we'll see if the Nets will play D on Giannis or if they'll just let him go crazy and shut Middleton. And one thing interesting about Giannis though, is he plays defense very um, like he has passion on defense. No, no books. doubt. No doubt. I'm saying I'm wondering if Brooklyn will just let him right. go crazy on offense and then they'll just go and pass the ball around and do the same on their end, but shut down everybody else on Milwaukee. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, so, the, yeah, the Eastern, the Eastern Conference is playing out a lot going on, which will be exciting. I did want to talk about the Lakers versus the Suns and the blowout that the Suns put over the Lakers. What are your thoughts on that? Was it just a flute game or is this series over? Well, that's, those are two different questions. Um, it's not a fluke. Uh, the, the Suns are good. They're the second best team in the NBA for a reason. And the Lakers are the seventh. I'm not saying mm-hmm. the Lakers deserve the seventh seed uh, in that they're a championship quality team and had some injuries, but it is what it is. But also 
I'm not going to say the series is over. Um, let's see what Anthony Davis does coming off of his, I think he's got a groin injury or a, a pulled muscle. So if he comes back, it, it is a little bit different. Um, but, but the Lakers have put themselves in this situation. I'm not saying they tried, they did it on purpose, but they, they, they had two superstars out for a long stretch and it cost them. It rolled them back into the seventh seed and they're playing a second seed. And Chris Paul is fired up and Devin Booker is the real deal. And Deandre Ayton was a first round or first pick in the draft for a reason. And Cam Cameron Payne is good. Cam Johnson is good. You know, Mikel Bridges is good. Um, they're just a really, really good team. So this is not a fluke, um, but I'm not saying the series is going to get closed out either. So we're going to have to see where that goes. Let's see if LeBron can reach back. I will say this, if the Lakers get down, um, I, I've seen them hang their heads and not come back. So the Suns, if they get up early and big, I think they'll try to do a knockout punch and put them out of the series. That's a good point. I think Chris Paul does not want to give any life to LeBron and AD. With that said, LeBron does kind of play well with his back against the wall just because he kind of likes the – he almost likes the attention of being an underdog, which is interesting because he's so dominant. And I think that with them playing again in L.A., right, their next game is in L.A., I think they – I think the Lakers can get one there and then it's just a, it's just a battle for the seventh game and anything can kind of go at that point. I am, I am excited to see kind of how that lines up with Chris Paul and LeBron and AD and how that affects them in later series as they have to play more games. Does that tear up their body? Is it good for them to just keep moving? It's going to be interesting to see where it leads further down the bracket. Yeah, listen, they're, they're going back to L.A. Um, they're, L.A. has their back against the wall. It's a closeout game for Phoenix. Um, I think from a how's the body, how's, how's, the, how's the soul for the Lakers, these guys have won a championship. And LeBron's been to, I don't know, count them up, nine, ten finals. I don't know, more than that. Uh, mm-hmm. So he knows how to pace himself through a playoff run. But they got to go get a win. I as a jazz fan, I want these series to go as long as they can. And, and so for two reasons, one, we can rest. And number two, so that other teams are a little tired. And um, th- that's, that's my goal right now. So that we can be, we're, we're 52 and 20 for a reason. We were probably the most healthy and non-COVID impacted team during the regular season. And you want that to continue during the playoffs. I think Bogdanovich played all 72 games too. Just a little note on staying healthy, which is big. And I guess kind of to get closer to the end and wrap things up, I don't like putting you on the spot, but if you had a pick between the Clippers and the Mavericks, who would, who would you rather the, not rather the jazz play, but what would be a better fit for the jazz? Why so? And if you could pick, who would it be? Well, I'm going to say it'd be better to play the Mavs because they're not truly playoff or battle tested. So Mm -hmm. Luca would be a load and they did a number on us later in the season, as I said. So they're not, there's, they're not any easier than the Clippers, but you asked me the question. I just think because of experience, the Jazz would have a, 
a little advantage over the Mavs and they and Quinn's smart enough to figure out how to defend Luca. He he learned a lot trying to defend against James Harden. They're not the same player. That's not what I'm saying, but I believe that Quinn has matured over time and probably can figure out a defensive scheme to slow down Luca. And they're not as experienced in the playoffs as the Clippers would be. I think the Clippers, if they get this series and come rolling against the jazz, um, they have athletes, they have experience, they have superstars and that makes it tough for the jazz. So I'll just slightly go with the Mavs to answer that question. That's true. Do you think that they'd be able to handle Leonard? Cause I think if they played the Mavs, I think it would go six games, but I, I, I'm a little hesitant to put a number on the Clippers. It could go seven games. They could even lose the series. And that's more just because of the all-stars that the Clippers have, but it's still up in the air because playoff basketball is different basketball. What would the Jazz have to do if they didn't end up playing the Clippers? Yeah, listen, they, they, they beat them without Kawhi and Paul George this year, but with Kawhi and Paul George on the floor, it was, is a little tough for the Jazz. Uh, I, I think they just have to maintain healthy and hit their three-point shots. When they mm. lost to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they did not shoot the three well and they were defended very well. I thought Ty Lue put a good defensive plan together against them. Um, but I, I, you know, you got to believe in your team, and I think they could go out and get it. Uh, on the flip side of this, isn't it interesting? We might have talked about this in the last podcast, in the last episode. However, the Lakers and the Clippers are both now down 3-2. Hmm. Can you imagine if both – LA teams are out in the first round. That is something that you would not have predicted to begin the season. This whole series, this whole season actually has been kind of an unpredictable one. I think it's been fun. I am very excited for the jazz and I'm going to end it with kind of with this, but mainly because of Mitchell, I thought his energy tonight was unmatchable. It looks like he was becoming a different tier all-star. Maybe throughout this podcast, you've seen kind of my theme of how there's different levels of players and even different levels of all-stars. Mitchell tonight, he was on one. He had the energy to just bring the game to take it over. He was even kind of talking John back and forth with Brooks, but he let his game show. He hit a couple shots in Brooks' face. He had a good defensive effort. And I think overall, he looked really quick got to the basket pretty easily. Uh, I mean, easily is a strong word. It takes a lot of talent to do what he does, but he was at a level that is almost unstoppable. And if he continues that, the Jazz will have a good series no matter who they play. Yeah, great, great synopsis. So really looking forward to what the second round brings. It's fun as a Jazz fan to be into the second round, but this team has their sights set on a championship. So um, while this is a great, first step. It is literally that a first step. Uh, we're finishing the podcast strong. I, 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 I'd be remiss if we didn't, if I didn't mention and talk about what happened to the Celtics today, Danny Ainge stepped down mm. as uh, their president of basketball operations, uh, basically their general manager of player personnel. And Brad Stevens leaves the bench and goes and assumes Danny Ainge's role I, Interesting. I'm, I'm not necessarily sure the shock is Ainge retiring. I think the shock is more of Stevens having kind of an off season as a coach, but 
hey, we'd like to give you the reins to go figure out what players you, you need and leave the bench. So I believe that coaching slot is open. I don't think that they've retained him as the coach, but I could be wrong. The short of it is a, a little strangeness there. You would have thought that both would have been gone. You would have thought that Angel would have retained his job and just went and found a different coach. But the Celtics went to, I think, three Eastern Conference finals out of the last four years. You can't fault Brad Stevens, but it just shows you after seven years of coaching a team and putting them into the playoffs, your job is never secure in the NBA. So some interesting happenings in Boston after their first round um, exit to the hands of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, it'd be, it's going to be interesting to see how um, where the Celtics franchise ends up. Another kind of news around basketball this one in college. I don't know if you saw that the um, head coach of Duke. Um, yeah. Mike Krzyzewski announced yeah. his retirement today after next season. So he'll take a, uh, a, a curtain call at many arenas around uh, the NCAA this year as Duke goes into the next season, it'll be his final season. And I think he'll, you know, receive the great applause that he's deserved. I heard um, tonight from one uh, ESPN commentator that they thought he was the greatest college basketball coach ever. He has the most wins in NCAA history. It's a big statement to make because you have John Wooden, for those who were in the you know, 50s and 60s watching UCLA win championships, 10 of them, as a matter of fact. Hard to say that John Wooden, who coached all 10 of those NCAA championships, wouldn't be the greatest, but Krzyzewski has the most wins. And in a, in a time where NCAA basketball had a lot more parity, um, he was a winner with five NCAA championships, but he announced his retirement and will have one more season. And uh, for lack of a better phrase, a curtain call at many NCAA arenas. Iconic for sure. It's been great to watch college basketball and Duke throughout the years. All right. Well, do you have any other words or any other interesting facts? Uh, I think we're good. Uh, another great episode. I encourage everybody to tell their friends about this hot new Utah jazz NBA podcast. Also subscribe so that you get the downloads every day when we release a new one. Uh, we probably won't be up and running until the next jazz game. But you never know. You, we might do something in between. But tell your friends. Have your friends tell their friends and spread the word. And uh, we'll be coming to you soon with a few offers that will make it fun for you to listen to our podcast. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dad. All right. Good to talk, Spence. Love you. Bye. Have a good night. Bye.